0: Welcome to the Mana Church Stafford Podcast, where we're all about equipping God's people to change their world. We are thankful you are here, and pray this message encourages you to love God, love others, and love the world more fervently than before. Now, let's get to it. I am so honored to be able to, to just... Share with you guys today as we enter the series on worship, uh, what it actually means. Um, And when you come in, when you come in here on Sunday mornings, worship is not. uh, We say this oftentimes. We say we learn it in Growth Track that this is not just a teaching center; it's a training center. The church, we believe that about church. Church just isn't some place where we should fill your head with things, it's a place where we should equip your hands. And so, as we talk about worship, I, I pray that that's gonna be something that happens for you during this this series is that you actually get a chance to apply some of the things that, you, that you're learning, you know? Like if you went and got piano lessons and they never put a piano in front of you, wouldn't that be a shame? And so you're coming into church we're trying to encourage you and teach you about things, and so we wanna give you opportunities to apply those things as well. As well. So what, I, what my hope is is that as a church, we just hit a growth spurt in this area. You know, we're, we're, we're still a baby church, and so we're grow, going through growth spurts, and I pray that this is one of those growth spurts that we hit, and it's just so refreshing for us. And so we're gonna talk about worship. So what is worship? What is it, w- really? Like, what does worship really mean? And we can use that term broadly to cover pretty much everything that we do, our work, our thoughts, our actions, and that, that would be accurate. We should worship in, in all of those things, in our service or in our giving. In fact, Romans 12, one, it says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. There are lots of passages throughout the Bible where the apostles and the prophets they're, they're chastising God's people and they're saying you do all these other things with worship but this is real worship. And what they're what they're doing there is they they're trying to help vector in what worship is because worship can be often this outward expression and what they're trying to do is correct them and say listen it can't only be that. And so Oftentimes when we think about worship, what we do is we use those verses as the rule and not the exception or the correction. So most of the time when you read through the Bible and it speaks about worship, it's not talking about worship is your everyday life. That's how we should think about worship, but most of the time, when we read through the Bible, um, I'll tell you, I I studied it, I found lots and lots of of material commentaries and blogs and sermons on living lives of worship. I had three big theology books, 3,600 pages I counted. You know how many pages were devoted to worship? 15. Out of 3,600 pages, there were 15 pages in, in all these three theology books that were, and they're supposed to cover the entire Bible that we're devoted to worship. And worship of God is kind of why we're here. We exist to glorify him and to worship him. You would think that people who are understanding what God's word said, they would they would devote just a little bit more ink and, and paper to the subject of worship. And so I, I don't wanna talk about worship for this, this series. We're not gonna talk about all those big broad senses of the term worship. I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about it in, in the most narrow and prolific and, and, and just, just true sense of the word, um, the, the best use of the word that it's most used in the Bible. And so, um, and here's maybe a way that I wanna help us think about this topic of worship. So if you've ever been in a relationship with someone, you, you guys know that you don't always talk on the same, same wavelengths, Right? especially married couples, you know that that just doesn't always happen. it's, It's difficult sometimes. In fact, you've probably read the book if you've been through any sort of premarital counseling, The Five Love Languages. We know that. So there are love languages, the concept of that book is that there are languages that each of us speak primarily and there are five love languages, one is physical touch, one is words of affirmation, one is quality time, one is acts of service, and one is gifts. Those are all the the love languages. And you might speak one or two of those languages and not the other three. And so sometimes when you and your spouse are communicating with each other, you're talking across one another. So you're trying to communicate love and they don't feel love. But here's the thing, is that, We, if we want our partner to feel love, we need to communicate with them. We need to figure out how it is that they receive love, how it is that they that they feel loved, and we want to communicate it to them that way. Do we, do we agree with that statement? That they're they're worth our love, and so God, in the same way, he he tells us what worship looks like. He tells us this is how I want to receive worship, and so so. During worship, th- th- this taps into this key as we're trying to figure out what worship is because we want God to feel love. He, he gets to define what that looks like, amen? Would we agree with that? Like, I don't get to define and say, well, God, you should feel worshiped when I do this. And if you don't, shame on you. I don't get to say that. God gets to define the terms on which he receives worship. And that's kind of what we're gonna talk about today. So worship in, in its simplest form is just, it's the mechanism that we use to communicate our recognition of God's worth, his splendor, his goodness, all his attributes, and, and it's something that we use to show our adoration and our submission to him. That's what worship is. And so word studies aren't always super helpful on Sundays other than to make the pastor seem like he's really smart, but in, in, in this sense, today, I think a word study is gonna be helpful. So if you, if you let me just geek out for a little bit, we're gonna dig into worship or shakah, that's what it is, that's the, the Hebrew word for worship in the Old Testament. The first use of the word is in Genesis 22.5, and abraham Abram at that point is using it in regards to him taking his son up on the mountain. And, and so he, 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 tells, um, he tells his servant, stay here with the donkey, my son and I are gonna go up and we are going to worship the Lord. Uh, Genesis 24 is the next time it says it. It says the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. Later on in Genesis 24, I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord. Exodus, Exodus 4, 31, it says they bowed their heads and worshiped. Exodus 12, 27, the next time it's mentioned, the people bowed their heads and worshiped. You get an idea? Worship, worship in all of these connotations, in all of these examples that we see, that word, shakah is used 170 times 82 of the times it's translated into our English word worship, specifically, and most often it has a connotation of bowing down, of getting low before God. So when they say he's gonna worship God, they're talking about bowing down and kneeling. So when we think about worship, we think I'm gonna come into church and I'm gonna stand in rows and sing songs. That's actually not necessarily what the Bible is saying. When the Bible talks about worship, it's saying, I'm going to bow before you. That's the word, what it literally means when it gets translated, that's what it means. Um, And I think we got a screenshot of all the different uses of it that we can put up here that, that show how that word is translated in the Old Testament. It's a cool, you know, a preacher app I've got that I use. So helps me study for you guys. But in the New Testament, the language was different. So they spoke Hebrew in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they spoke Greek. And so the Bible, the New Testament that we have was written primarily in Greek. And so in Greek, the word that we that we translate to worship, what it means in our English vernacular, they actually had four different words that they used for it. Um, the One of the words was, Proskineo and, and kempto, those were two different words, and they mean both, basically the same thing. They mean to bow down in worship. There are two other words. One is doxazo, and that means to give God glory, and the other one is eulogio, and that means to give God praise or blessing. So the common thread throughout all these words that are used for worship, so if we're trying to understand what worship is, the common thread is expression. Worship is not this, it's not a stale, dry, sanitized experience. That's not what it is. It's expressive. It's deep. It's moving. And it actually involves our posture. All these, all these words, most of the time they're used, it involves your posture changing and coming in to a place. It's this intimate expression of love between your heart and the heart of your heavenly father. That's what worship is supposed to be. It's not something we're supposed to take lightly. We're not supposed to just phone it in on Sundays. We come in here and like, okay, or any other day of the week for that matter. You're like, okay, I'll sing some songs day and night, night and day, let worship arise. Day and night, I don't think that that's what the Bible means. When it, I don't think the living creatures are saying that. I don't think they get tired like, oh, day and night, night and day. They're not saying it as a lament. They're saying it as a praise to God. And so, did, did you know that there's actually, that there are worships or expressions of your love that are acceptable and worship that is not acceptable to God? Did you know that? He tells us, actually, he tells us in the Bible. Um, and I could probably say the same thing to each one of you. There are things that you like to receive in worship, in love, there are things that you like to hear that, that really make your heart melt. And there are other things you're like, that's just, don't, don't do that for me. Like my wife, words of affirmation, man, they're my thing. And so I tell people a lot of times like, oh, I appreciate you so much. My wife, I could tell her I love her till I'm blue in the face and she's like, thank you. How about you serve me? That's how I I wanna receive love. That's, That's what she gets, and that's okay. She gets to define that. So let's see what the Bible says about what God wants in worship. Hebrews 12, 28, he says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. And after this, he defines what acceptable worship is with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That is acceptable worship. So if you come in to worship God, you come in here and you don't have an attitude of reverence. If you're not in awe of his splendor, I wonder if it's actually acceptable. And as we're standing here praising God, day and night, night and day, it doesn't look like I'm in much awe of him, does it? If if I'm on my phone checking Instagram or something like that, that doesn't seem very reverent, does it? And I'm not I'm not trying to chastise you. I'm trying to just teach you what the Bible says. Okay, so don't don't hear me beating you guys up. I just want to show you because you know when my wife told me, Jake, I, I don't really. It, it's nice that you tell me you love me. She wasn't trying to be mean to me. She was just trying to help me so I could love her better. So so hear me when I say this. I'm just trying to help us get to a place where we can experience the, the, the full, the, the fullness of worship. And so, so when I say this, I'm not trying to beat you up. So when we get into worship, we wanna experience the closeness of God. We wanna be, be near to him. In fact, it, worship, I would say, is marked by nearness to God. We feel him closer in, in, in a different way. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And when we have these times of worship, that's what we're going for. We're going for nearness to God's heart. We're going, to, we're going for connecting with him. And, and here's the thing. If you're a believer, he's always there. He never leaves. He never, he never gets further away from you in, in a physical sense necessarily. But just like my wife and I can be in the same room, but we're not actually near, that's what it's talking about. There's, there's a distance, like it just feels distant sometimes because we're not actually connecting, I'm not focused on her. But man, if you focus on God, his attention is gonna focus on you and it's gonna change the atmosphere. And so when I say worship a lot of times, what you guys are thinking is you're actually thinking of the word praise. And that's, that worship and praise are distinct activities. They're, They're separate in the Bible. And so we call our times on Sunday morning, we call them worship experiences, but much of the time that really just depends on you guys. Whether it's a worship experience where we're bowing and humbling ourselves and we're giving God all of ourselves with reverence and awe, or it's a praise experience. Those are, those are two different things. And praise can be worship. It, it can be worshipful, so, so you can have that. But, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know that you can actually worship God without it overflowing into praise. You could praise somebody without it being without it, being worship. it doesn't always have to be worship every time you praise somebody. I praise my kids all the time. I'm not worshiping them. But I don't know that you can truly worship God without it exploding out of you into praise. And praise is, praise is, this is a quote, lots of people say this, so praise is about God, worship is to God. Praise is opening up, worship is entering in. So if you think of praise, praise is like getting low, worship is like reaching up and getting high. Praise is boldly declaring, worship is humbly bowing, praise applauds what God has done, worship is honoring who God is. And so we are actually commanded to praise God in the Bible as well. Psalm 150, it's the last Psalm in the entire book there, it exhorts us to praise, it gives all these examples of how to praise God, praise him with the symbol, praise him with the heart, praise him, praise him with the trumpet, praise him with all these different things, and then at the end he says, listen, if you have breath in your lungs, use it to praise God. That's what it says, Psalm four tells us also how to pray. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, break forth. It's like that worship overflowing, it breaks out, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. And Jesus actually talked about this in, in, in Luke when he was coming into the city because people were praising him and worshiping him and the Pharisees said, hey, tell your people to stop and Jesus said, listen, if they don't, it's gonna burst up out of the rocks and the rocks are actually gonna do it. So this is natural for creation to do. Creation should praise God, it should explode in worship and so praise, what does that mean? Like what actually is praise? So I'm gonna tell you, so we talked about worship, worship is is bowing down, worship is, is bowing our heads, getting prostrate before the Lord sometimes what is praise? There's seven different words that are used in the Bible that we translate into English as praise. So we take, you know, like you hear the word love. There's four different kinds of love in Greek and we just call it love. It's, it's almost like, like stupid grammar. And so we've translated all these seven words into praise. So I'm gonna tell you what they mean. The first one is barak. It means to kneel and to bless God as an act of adoration. That's in Psalm 95. There's another one, Yada. We translate that to praise. It means to throw out or so to worship God with an extended hand like, oh God, I'm gonna worship you. That's in Psalm 63. Karar, that means to dance. That's dancing and I'm not a dancer, but that's what it means. And there's some people that do it. That's in 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. Halal, that's the root word for hallelujah. So the literal translation of halal means to spin like a top. That's what halal means. So when you say hallelujah, you're saying, oh, I'm gonna spin like a top. That's what it means, literally. Shabah, it means to shout or to command to address in a loud tone, like worthy God, you're worthy, praise you God. That's what that means. Taqwa, it means to clap your hands. Sometimes we do that in praise. Tauda it's the same root as yada, but it means an extension of the hands in adoration. So think about it this way. When your dad walks in the door. Dads, you guys, this, this used to be my favorite point when my kids were little like toddlers. When I walk in the door and my kids extend their hands to me, oh my goodness, that melts my heart. Can you imagine, and you might not be the most expressive person, but can you imagine your father, when you come into a place of worship, it'd be like dad walking through the door and you're like, hey dad, good to see you. My little three year old. Did that, I'd be like, man, they're not really glad to see me. Man, when we come in here to worship, I wanna reach up to him. I just wanna be like, God, I love you. I just wanna get closer to you. I know you're here, but man, I'm just reaching for you. Zamar, the sixth word, it means to touch strings, to, to play an instrument in worship. That's in Psalm 1, verse 13. Tehillah, that means to sing a spontaneous, extemporaneous song. So our worship team kinda did that today. At one point, they just started singing. Wasn't planned, they didn't practice it. I was at practice on Thursday. We didn't practice that song. It just kind of came out. They tehillahed God. They praised him in that way. And we can all do that. So, so here's the deal. All these are expressions of praise that should overflow from a heart of worship. So as you hear all these, how many do you think you commonly express? Just let that sit for a second. How many of those do you actually express? If you're like, look, man, I'm good coming in here and singing songs, but I tell you what, I'm not gonna Tahila. I'm not gonna sing any spontaneous songs, I'm not gonna shabbat, don't expect me to shout. It's just not me. I'm not gonna halal, not my thing. I don't wanna get dizzy in church. But the Bible doesn't give us any other words. It doesn't give us any other descriptions of what praise to God is. Those are what the words say. And so God defines what praise is. We don't define what praise is. God defines what worship is. We don't define what worship is. So when we come in, we wanna have authentic worship and praise experiences before him. That's what I want. I hope you guys don't wanna come and just phone it in. I hope that we all have the same goal and mission. We wanna come, we want it to be real, we wanna touch God's heart, amen? So we spent the the last several weeks talking about a really manly topic, what the military taught me about God. We talked about all kinds of military metaphors. And this is like a hard turn from that because we're talking about being expressive, which often is not easy for for big manly men. And it, it can be just as difficult for women as well. But I, I want to read as we, as we finish here because we 're going to shift we 're going to go back into worship, but I want to read a, an, an example of a man who was probably the manliest man you can read about in the Bible. He was a hunter, he was a, a warrior from his youth he, he killed the champion of an opposing army when he was just a teenager. He led military expeditions he led it says he killed thousands in fact. The bride price, back in the day they used to pay a bride price for their bride and then you would get a dowry from, from the, the father of the bride. You know the bride price that this guy paid for his bride? The, the guy said, kill 100 Philistines. He's like, okay, I'm gonna kill 200. So he killed 200 and, and it just just kind of went extra. That's how bad of a dude he was. That's David. And I want you to see this manly, strong man. I want you to see how he expressed his worship. And this is, this is a time where, where the, the ark of God, God's presence, the, the only expression they had of his presence in that time, it's coming back into the city. <clears throat> and I just wanna read this. It's in First Chronicles 15. You can also find it in the, in the book of Samuel. So verse 25, chapter 15, it says, so David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of the thousands. So these are all the leaders their generals, their political leaders, their familial leaders, and the king, the leader of the nation, they're all together. They went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. Rejoicing is not somber. Rejoicing is loud, it's big. Verse 26, and because God helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, so he was dressed, the king was dressed just like all the worship leaders. He's like, I'm gonna be like one of the, one of the ministers. And also were all the Levites who were carrying the Ark and the singers and the chenaniah and the leader of, of the music of the singers, and David wore a linen ephod. And so all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouting, Shabbat to the sound of the horn, the trumpets, and cymbals. They had a whole worship team that were, that were doing this thing and made loud music on harps and lyres. It wasn't like this peaceful. And we can have times of worship like that. That's okay. But this was, this was a time specifically of jubilation. It was really, really loud. It was a lot of intensity. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David And the proper way to pronounce this is Michael, but I'm not gonna say that. I'm just gonna call her Michael. Um, The daughter of Saul looked out the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating. King David, King David was dancing and celebrating. This warrior, this man who had paid 200 men's lives for her hand in marriage, he is dancing in front of the Lord, in front of the entire kingdom. He's dancing and he's celebrating. And it says she despised him in her heart. I think... That last little line, it captures why a lot of us probably don't want to be expressive during worship. Because we read about her and we probably think, I bet that's what other people are gonna think. They're gonna look at me and say, he's a weirdo. That guy is just strange, why is he dancing? That's weird. You're coming into this auditorium, you're gonna dance before God? You're gonna shout before God? You're gonna sing really loud so I can actually hear you? I'm sitting three rows away from you so I don't have to hear anybody else and so you can't hear me when I sing. David's not like that. And she despised him in her heart. And so we see in in 2 Samuel, chapter six, what she actually said to him. This is how she responded when he had a, a conversation with her afterwards. It says, David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. So man, she was, you know when mama comes out the door to meet you when you come home, something went down, she is not happy. So she comes out the door. She's like, let me tell you something, David. She said, oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants and female servants, by the way, there were women watching you, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. She thought that his display was about him and see she got the whole thing wrong it wasn't about david that wasn't why he did what he did that wasn't why he was dancing and shouting and praising and david said to michael this is this is this captures it and this if you can get this in your soul it will change not just your time when you come on sunday it will change the time that you have when you're when you're actually just worshiping by yourself michael you can come on up worship team you guys can come back to This is what he says. He says to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. He's not gonna get shut down by somebody to to not worship his first love, his one true love. He's not gonna do that. He's like, no, I am going to worship the Lord. I wasn't doing it for the ladies that you, you thought I was doing it for. I wasn't trying to be a performer. I was worshiping an audience of one. And I just gotta tell you guys, when, when I come into worship, I sit there and I never turn around and look at you guys. That's not what I do. You know why? Because I don't care what you're doing. I mean, I do care what you're doing, but you know, what, you know what I'm here for? I'm here for him. When I'm here to worship, I'm gonna sit right there because I am worshiping God. My eyes are closed most of the time because I'm just gonna praise him. And I don't wanna get in my head, because if I'm looking around at all you guys, I probably will get in my head. But I don't wanna do that, I just wanna focus on God. And that's what David is saying here. David's like, I I wasn't doing it for anybody else. What are you talking about? It wasn't for them, wasn't praising them. I was praising God, like the presence of God is here. What else should I do? And I love this, verse 22, he says, and you know what? Just, I'm gonna double down. I will make myself even more contemptible than this. If you didn't like that, well just wait till you see what I'm about to do. I'll do it even more. I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants, all those ladies you're talking about, they'll hold me in honor. They're out there worshiping God too. We're gonna worship God. That's what we're gonna do. And and if, if you don't wanna be led by me worshiping, that's fine but I'm going to to lead us to a place where God's presence is encountered, where he is worshiped, where he is glorified, where his name is lifted up above any other name. That's what he said to her. And and here's, mm, this last verse in that chapter, it says, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, he, he dropped the mic when he was done with that. It says, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And I don't wanna necessarily tie those two together too much, but man, I think that verse is written there for a reason. They didn't just bury it in the genealogies. They put it right after that to to show like, you know, she just wasn't wasn't blessed. David, David went on to be one of the most, I mean, gosh, we've got the statue of David is one of the most famous pieces of art ever. He He is famous throughout the world. Michael, I mean, Gosh, I didn't even pronounce her name right. But David worshiped big. And so, like I said at the beginning, we don't wanna just teach you, we want to, to train. We wanna use this, the church as a training center. And so we're gonna, we're gonna worship now. We're gonna praise God. In fact, I do this thing, I, I told the serve team this morning, I do this thing with my daughters because I want them to, to not be stiff when they express affection. And so my daughters, when they were in junior high, I was like, listen, you guys, you guys are acting weird hugging daddy. I'm gonna get you used to hugging daddy. So every day in the morning and in the evening, you give me 15 seconds, that's all I'm asking for. You just come hug your dad. Because I don't want it to be something that we have this stiffness in our relationship to connect. I want it to be familiar and so easy. And, and listen, the first couple times you do something, maybe the first time you raise your hand, it's gonna feel weird, it just will. And that's okay. You know what, the next time you do it, it's like, oh man, that feels good. It feels good. And you just praise God. It just gets easier easier and easier, just more and more and more familiar. And so that's what I want. So can we do this? Can you all stand today? I'm just gonna say a prayer. And I would love if you guys would give me the opportunity. I'd just love to lead us into a place of, of worship. So Lord, we just... We just give you praise right now. We're ending early, so just to give us this time, you know the kids are fine back there. Man of kids, they got more time. They're gonna be good. And Lord, we want to just give you this time of worship. Give you this time of praise, Lord. Will we shabak you? Will we halal you, Lord? We shout your praise. Lift our hands, Lord. Express it. And so, God, I pray that you would just help us get to that place. Be gracious to us, God. Just gently lead us into that place, Lord, of worship. Just sing this with me, guys. It's easy to sing. And I will give you all. To come down here. You just want to exalt him and worship him. You want to dance, you want to get on your face. That's okay, like I said, just, just do it. It might feel a little weird. That's okay. Raise your hands. Well, let's let's sing this bridge. Let's exalt him. Let's tell him, Be exalted in the heavens, but be exalted in this place. Can we do that? Can we just exalt him today? So be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills.
1: i sick. Oh, you were the earth. We lift our voice and praise. As your glory fills this place You alone deserve our praise you the name above all names Yes, be exalted now in the heavens As your glory fills this place You alone deserve our praise Your name above all names To so be exalted now Amen. Hey.
0: God's not on a timer. <laughs> we don't have a clock where we have to stop worshiping. Your kids might be on a clock though. So what I'm gonna encourage you to do is we, we can keep worshiping in here. I would encourage you if you got kids and man of kids, or if, just, just go get them and bring them back in here. If you want, we're gonna keep going for a little bit. We got another song we'll sing. We're just gonna keep praising the Lord. Um, but if you gotta go, that's okay too. If you need to, if you need to leave, so so now you can be dismissed. If you need prayer for something, just come down here, find somebody. I know we've got people with prayer tags, prayer team tags. If you want prayer for something, just come down and and they would love to pray for you and lay hands on you. But we're just gonna keep worshiping. I love it that you came and joined us today. Listen, next week when we come back in here. The worship team isn't gonna leave the stage. We're gonna just kind of flow between times of, of praise and worship and times of teaching and, and exaltation and reading of the words. We're just kind of gonna kind of go in between those different settings for the entire worship experience. It's gonna be a little bit different, but that's okay, because he's worthy. So we're gonna do that. So, so go get your kids or just stay here, and we're gonna continue worshiping for a little bit longer, all right? Thank you for listening to the Mana Church Stafford podcast. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on the web at manastafford.church or download the Mana Church app. To listen to our new episodes as they become available, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We would also love to meet you in person. If you are local, our services take place each Sunday at 10 a.m. We pray you have a blessed week, and we will see you next time.